Welcome to the Women Leadership Nation Breaking Barriers podcast. Our guest today is a dynamic woman whose energy and lust for life radiates off her. She is a passionate, real, down-to-earth thought leader who developed the concept of expansive living, which is the integration and amalgamation of all your passions and skills to live a happy and successful life. Abigail is the head of strategic planning at Google, where she leads Google's creative think tank for agencies and brands, where she helps advertisers and marketers make sense of human beings' deep emotional relationship to the digital space. She shines in a unique humanistic lens on the culture, business, beauty, and technology industries. I guarantee you, by listening to our interview, you're gonna learn so much about how it's possible to really take what you're passionate about in life and really integrate that into what you're doing and actually have a competitive advantage because of doing so. If you enjoyed today's show, please don't forget to subscribe and share our podcast with other women that are navigating their careers. Thanks so much for being on our podcast today. My pleasure. So a question that we ask every guest is, and I'd love to ask you, is when you were younger, what did you want to be? You know, it's funny because I remember wanting to be a fashion designer, but I really love fashion and um, I liked arts and crafts and everything like that. I liked drawing and I liked the artistic side of it, but I realized I was a sucky drawer. So, you know, after I kind of reached my teenage years, I said, this is not going to be it. So I don't remember having after that an exact role, but I had a feeling I wanted. I had a situation I wanted. And I remember what I wanted was a, a role where I could be with lots of different people, interesting people from the, around the world. And it would be colorful and full of senses and where I could meet and um, just feel like a lot of energy. Uh, and if I could dress nicely too, that would be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's a perk, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible, like how how you tap into that energy and that probably that some of that intuition you probably followed throughout your career as well, right? I did. You know, I um, when I got to college, I didn't really know what I wanted to study, and I was fortunate enough to go to a university where it wasn't pre-professional, so you didn't have to map it out. But after about a year or so, you had to pick a, a major, right. and it was like the spirits or something just guided me because interestingly i took a course that i wasn't supposed to take i thought i was going to take this major course about china that everybody wanted to get into that course and i didn't get in so i took the next best thing which was this course about iran and the revolution in iran and i was like you know what i got to make lemonade out of lemons right i loved it And I realized from there, it was my freshman year, I realized I need to study this thing called anthropology. And it wasn't like I had known what that was. before. It's not like someone says, okay, I'm going to become an anthropologist when I grow up. It's not really like a typical, you know, it's not like a fashion designer or an accountant, you know. So I, I just launched into this and I absolutely loved it. And I remember 
I, I was also super lucky because my parents are academics. So they just were like, study what you want. I mean, almost to the right. point where like, if I didn't get a PhD, I wasn't really, you know, getting a degree, you know, like they can't really imagine. It's very high. <laughs> yeah. Well, also just like academics were. Yeah. Were right. So they were super supportive. But I remember people like their buddies would say things to me like, what are you going to do with that? What's anthropology? Or I remember when I was looking at jobs and they'd be like, what? You know, did you, you know, I don't know, dig for bones or something. So I didn't let that dissuade me. And I just, you know, really leaned in, loved it, found ways to make it my own and really um, leverage what was what I found really interesting and connect that to anthropology. And then throughout my life, I have leveraged my anthropology background, no matter what career. And I've been in a few different careers. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, I trusted my gut that this was right for me. And I've often advised people, follow the love, because not only will you put your all into it, but you're inevitably going to be doing it better than anything else because you love it, right? And I know that sounds kind of hackneyed and you've heard that, but it's so true. Yeah, I mean, I think you need to have that energy and that passion or you're never going to be successful in your career, really. You need to love it. And what's really interesting is I had the, when I, so I did some research on you, of course, and um, when I looked at your degree, I also immediately, and being very honest, was thinking, wow, like how did you get from anthropology to then I heard you explain uh, economic anthropology. Yes. And then it clicked for me in a way that, I had never thought of it before. Right. It's so fundamental in terms of your perspective on things. Which Absolutely. Is- Absolutely. Like if the thread, I mean, listen, there were some deviations in the mix and then those deviations turned out to be mistakes. So, it, you know, uh, they were deviations. But, um, you know, if you really kind of peel back the, my different, this, the different stages of my life to its essence, right? They do all kind of connect in some weird, funny way. So if anthropology was the study of why people do what we do, like why we wear what we wear or, you know, drink what we drink or, you know, vote the way we vote in November. Right. Then you move to advertising. And I was what was called a brand strategist. And I dug into people's behavior. I'm really just understanding why people buy what they buy and the the motivations and then what that means for communication strategy. And then I moved to Google and I spend, now my team spent, but I spent when I first got there a lot of time just digging into why people have the relationship they have with their computers or their phones or right. certain videos they watch. And even now my um, one of my teams digs into human behavior to really understand what's motivating them Um, so that we can help our clients develop messaging that is really impactful. So there's all of this analysis of why throughout. No, I I love it. And I think that that's why I think you're so interesting in terms of when people are looking at career journeys, your journey is so interesting. It also makes a lot of sense that I can make the connection as to, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you presented and you have uh, on your website, 
the concept of expansive living. And yeah. this is very interesting. And in your article, you, you uh, say you talk about expansive living as an approach to living a meaningful life and successful and happy life. And you describe this uh, approach as um, really being able to encounter and, and include the contradictions in, yes. in aspects of your life. So maybe you can talk yeah. to us a little bit more about that because Sure. It made a lot more sense to me, your your history as to how you are so naturally able to do this. Yeah. Well, what I described was really my career trajectory. But what I didn't describe were all the things I do on the side. And the reason, and I, I probably shouldn't even articulate it as such on the side, because they're all very meaningful for me. And somehow by putting, by claiming that they're on the side, yeah. it means they're somehow not important, but they're extremely important. You know, one of the other things I talk about was, is uh, my beauty blog and how that's an extension of trying to understand the why behind human behavior. In this case, it's around our beauty rituals. Um, and why we still are fascinated or interested or hate or demonize certain things around beauty. But, but you know, just to go back to your main question or main point, um, I believe, and maybe this is more because of uh, my inclination about myself, but I believe, you know, we all have passions, interests, hobbies, sides of ourselves uh, that we may or may not always express in our day jobs. Um, and uh, we, may, we may, if we're lucky, be able to pursue them on the side, on the weekends, um, or we may even think like, ah, I don't think I'm gonna go there, that doesn't fit my brand image. And my whole story in life was that I wanted all these different things mm -hmm. and I was gonna pursue them. Uh, I didn't necessarily have a uh, strategy until later. And I started realizing what I do instinctively. So I realized I wanted to get married and have children. I wanted to be a relatively observant Jew. I wanted to uh, be very feminine and embrace my femininity uh, even in the workplace. And that was just going to be who I was. I wanted to pursue this weird space around beauty and culture. And um, I wanted to, you know, investigate fashion. I wanted to write about my thoughts. So I've, I had all these things that I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't going to stop myself. And then what I noticed was that actually these different sides don't have to be compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. They should be pursued and they should be blended to uh, offer up new ideas and new solutions. So, for example, I mean, this in, in some cases, it started out as like a coping mechanism, really. Mm -hmm. So when I was um, I remember when I was much younger, I was the third child and my siblings are wicked smart. And I felt like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to compete. But I do have these other sides of myself that uh, I could leverage. I, I like to act. I was ham in front of the camera. Uh, I, I liked fashion and style. And so I'm just going to pursue that in addition to my other sides. And so I remember in sixth grade, I had to write a history paper. It was about the Wild West. And 
everybody else was doing the responsible thing and they were writing about, you know, a war or an edict or a, you know, I don't know, you know, some president. And I said, well, I want to write about the fashion of the times. And I'm going to analyze why people wore what they wore. Because, hey, I knew that if I was, if, if I'm going to choose something I'm passionate about, I'm going to put my all into it. And it was something that I had a sense for. So luckily enough, my teacher said, sure. And then didn't think I was going to get an A because look, this was my passion project. And that was the, you know, I was willing to take the hit because it wasn't about a president or it wasn't about, you know, the founding of a new state, but I did get an A because I was very passionate and I put my all into it. And I did something that nobody else would have ever chosen. Yeah. Right? You have like, you really differentiated yourself and then you exactly. probably put the connections that people wouldn't have even thought of. Exactly. So then fast forward to college and I, um, I was able to, again, I, I had to cope because I didn't think that I was going to be able to succeed in, uh, in college, because I, what was I going to, I thought it was a little bit of a charlatan, like, how am I going to make it here? Um, but I did have something in my arsenal of goodies, which is I had studied in Jewish day school my whole life. I had yeshiva education. I had studied Talmud. I had studied Bible. I had studied Jewish history. So whenever I could, I would kind of dive into my bag of goodies and yeah. leverage it all the way into my thesis for you know, it for my anthropology degree, um, I knew Israel, I knew Hebrew, and oh, I had a boyfriend there, so let's go. Um, so I so I didn't realize until later in my life that I had this way of coping, which was actually my superpower, right? Because I was able to find these sides of myself and combine them to give me that extra edge, to give me a new concept, a new idea. So fast forward into my career and, you know, I had to write a blog. I was told you should need, you need to write a blog. You need to get yourself out there. And I was like, oh, when am I going to write a blog? I mean, about advertising. This is when I was in my advertising about mommies and business. Like how many times have you seen that? Right. But I had done this year long analysis of beauty in our culture because I had a beauty client and it went nowhere, went nowhere. And then I said, aha, that's what my blog is going to be about. And so I've always been able to take things. And the final final story to just bring it to life, um, even more so, was when I went to Google. Again, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know a lot about tech. They're going to find me out. I'm going to be dead <laughs> within a month. Okay. But then I noticed something that... Well, I may not know a lot about technology. I knew a ton about anthropology. And as I said, anthropology is really understanding why people do what we do. And of course, I honed that skill when I was in advertising. And so when I was in tech, I had seen that there was a lot of great research around what people were doing with technology. So how many times they were on their smartphone during a day or how many apps they bought or which videos they watched on YouTube. And all that information is super important. But nobody was investigating why. Nobody was investigating why people were doing what they were doing. And so we literally launched anthropology studies. They had never been done in the industry, let alone Google, right? Like never been done. Wow. Um, to really uncover 
what is the meaning behind our deep emotional relationship to all these devices and and platforms? And when we uncovered that, we had a whole series of studies called Humanizing Digital, which helped our clients really understand how to leverage these devices, these platforms, these digital places and spaces to connect that much more strongly. So, and that was career changing, that was game changing. So again, I used my skill set, and I almost felt like I was in a deficit, I was at a deficit, but instead the seemingly, the seeming differences or, or deficits, whatever, that I had actually became my superpower again. I love it. I, I, I think that there's so many incredible examples as well of women getting into, or, or men getting into positions where they feel like, you know, maybe that they didn't study a certain thing, but they right. actually come to the table with new ideas. I know, uh, you know, a long time ago when I worked in government and I, I hired, uh, I was in economic development and I hired a woman that had, um, her career was actually in media and television. No economic development experience at all. Wow. She was incredible because she knew how to engage. She knew how to talk to the businesses. She knew how to pull. So there's certain skills and things that you can learn, but you actually bring from, you know, based on what you, you've learned. And Absolutely. If you have mentality, right? Like I think, I think a lot of it is just trust in yourself. And that's not easy. I mean, believe me, like I woke up this morning and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be a tricky, not this, but there were other things I I was like, this is going to be a tricky day. And I have to remind myself, trust in yourself that it's going to be, it's going to be fine. So some of these, these tricks that we take, you know, that we leverage to um, be successful, be productive and be happy. Some of it are, are just simple, basic human, um, reminders or uh, approaches to life that that you need to that are critical that are important you know another another key i often use to encourage people to embrace their expansiveness is to just say yes mm-hmm. like now how simple is that right? right but we say no to so many things so for example um i'm i i'm um on on the speaking circuit now how did i get that gig because I just said yes. What happened was I was invited to speak on a panel. And, you know, I have the luxury of getting invited because Google helps, you know, but I've spoken before and, you know, in my advertising days, but, you know, speaking on another panel and it was a schlep. I had to get some, it was a pain in the butt and I didn't really want to do it. And, oh, but I just said yes. Yeah. And in the audience was the person that was going to connect me to this whole world, you know, um, or another example was I was asked to speak at another conference and it was a fashion conference. Oh, goody, right. That would be just my thing. And I figured they were going to, you know, they wanted someone with data and tech, you know, in their background. I assumed, oh, they're going to want me to talk about like data meets fashion or my opinion on fashion and artificial intelligence stuff. I've been, I've spoken about before. No, they wanted me to speak about China. <laughs> And I said, I'm sorry, but like, I never got to take that class in college, right? That I told you I I, I was cut out of. Um, And, you know, it's not my market. I've never even been there. I don't speak Mandarin, though I wish I I did. So I said, I don't think this is right, buddy, you know. And he said, um, the conference host said, um, well, are you familiar with WeChat? And I said, well, of course I'm familiar with WeChat because of all 
anthropology studies I've done, I know about WeChat's the largest social media network in China. He said, you know what, between that and your anthropology background will be fine. I thought, mm, I don't know. I was a little <laughs> but I trusted in myself. I trusted in the conference and what they were trying to do. And I just said, yes. And then in the audience were my future partners uh, in a fashion and lifestyle publication that it markets to China. So, you know, you yeah. have to just say it and trust yourself. Trust yourself. You can take the time out of your day. Trust yourself that you can um, wing it when you need to. Yeah, that's and amazing. I mean, always like leverage what you know and what you can right. do. Um, not just BS, but uh, but you can find a way to connect your passion and your interest and your skills to whatever is the request at hand. Uh, I I love too the fact that um, you you know you're giving yourself permission as well to follow your passion and follow some of the things that really drive you. And you know a lot of times when especially when you're you know busy with family with your career and everything else, there's certain. Right joys that you have that you and passion projects that you might want to work on by giving yourself permission to do that you're actually make again creating you're expanding so that you're able to come up with new exactly and new ideas. exactly exactly because if you don't say yes you're not going to give yourself the opportunity to unleash hone express you know these sides of ourselves while they may be natural to us, and to use your word intuitive, they still could use some shaping. They still could use some polishing. So unless you put yourself out there, unless you just say yes and expose yourself to people who can reflect on your sides or give you more opportunities to connect your sides to other sides or their sides, you know, you won't, you won't be able to really harness what's so amazing. So I, I totally agree with you. And do you, do you believe, so I've been thinking a lot more about it too, and what advice do you have to, to women that are trying to do this? Would you agree that one of the first things would be increasing self-awareness? And what else do you Absolutely. It's, it's increasing self-awareness, asking yourself, like literally, literally, literally taking a journal and writing down, what do you really enjoy doing? And it could be as seemingly unrelated as playing the piano, you know, unrelated to your career or unrelated to the world you want to pursue. It could be playing the piano. It could be, I enjoy shopping. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy, I mean, I personally enjoy reading like really dark mystery novels. And I'm still trying to figure out what I can do with that. But I know <laughs> at some point. Yeah, exactly. Um, maybe I really enjoy people and socializing. So take these different sides of yourself, like really kind of recognize them and then ask yourself, can I pursue them further? Can I hone them further? Can I polish them further? No question you can, no question you can. And then once you do that, once you start kind of really exploring and thinking about them a little bit more, try to find a connection. Your, your brain will find a connection. I want to give you an example I use in some of my speeches. Um, the New York Police Department must take a course, it's mandatory, it's called the Art of Perception. And it really helps hone their perception abilities and um, really challenge their internal biases when looking at crime scenes. Mm. Because if you think about it, a crime scene is like a painting. Yeah. Now you're nodding, because it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. 
I can see the connection. But like, if you first said, "Hey, I'm an artist, and I want to, I want to connect that to my detective work," you'd probably be like, "Okay, then the only thing you can do is pursue art, you know, art thieves." Yeah. I mean, like, what would you? Right. That's so my true. point That's is, true. and it opens up your perception to how you see things differently. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's so, um, and by the way, like the other thing I talk about a lot too is that at the heart of creativity is really making connections. That's really what all innovations and creations are born from. It's not because you're like some super duper talented person mm -hmm. and you know only you can be creative and your mind works in some special way and a light bulb goes off or you know it's not because you've been trained a certain way, right? Everybody's creative and really at the heart of creativity is making connections among different worlds, making connections among different and that's really what our brains do. Like that's synapses. It's connecting the neurons, right? And so if you believe in that, if you understand, not in that, like it's true. I'm saying if you believe in yourself <laughs> and you can do that, yeah. then you then you open yourself up to starting to say, okay, what could these weird different worlds possibly have in common? What can anthropology and technology possibly have in common? What could anthropology and beauty possibly have in common? What could my Jewish background and the English paper I have to write possibly have in common? Like, if you start kind of saying to yourself, you will find that commonality. Just like even just asking the question, is yes. like, that's really important, right? And bringing other people into this process because you will undoubtedly find people who come from different perspectives, have different hobbies themselves, and you will find the connections together. So, you know, what's really cool is that I think that this can help you in your career as well to differentiate right. yourself, to really break out and, and have those opposing thoughts and bring them together and come up with new ideas. Do you believe that this is also a concept that companies and organizations themselves could be applying? Absolutely. So one of the things I do when I build teams is I look for people with obviously the the desire, you know, the, the desired skill set in order to do the role, but then other sides of them. I want to see in their CV and their LinkedIn profile, I want to see that they're doing other things because then I know they can bring that to the team. And then I often ask the team members themselves if they've embraced their expansiveness, which I hope they have, now teamwork it. Now try to combine the different sides together to see what happens. So I, I have an example of this. Um, in one of the teams that I run, it's called Creative Effectiveness. And basically what the analysts do is they analyze how successful uh, the ads are. Are people watching them? Are they clicking on them? Um, are people buying from them? But then there's this one member of the team who I brought in purposefully because he also happens to be a YouTube creator on the side. Mm. His name is Sean. Right. And so he has brought his ability to develop videos, edit videos, produce videos, so that he can help bring our analyses to life via the video, right? Um, there's another member of that team who is a data rock star, Mo, but he also happens to be a creative writer on the side. So imagine what happens when you combine Sean's talents with Mo's talents, right? Yeah, so really cool. it's, it's about really creating a team that is multifaceted and that is expansive. And the great news is that when your teams go to innovate, they will 
develop ideas that only they could have generated because no other team is going to have that spread, that array of different talents and skills that when brought together, you'll make connections that nobody else will. So, you know, it really can benefit organizations as well as individuals. And I would say, you know, part of the challenge, maybe when people are getting used to doing this is making those connections. But I think it would you agree that in a team environment, it will naturally come out because people will be more naturally, you know, they, they might have the experience of film and television. Right. They might right. say, okay, this is, we, have you looked at it this perspective? So well, that's the critical role of the culture and the leader right, of the organization. Because if you, you know, back to the point I was making before, some of the most fundamental human um, emotions are necessary in order to fully fulfill this, right? You need a sense of trust. You need a sense of psychological safety. You need a belief in yourself, confidence, right? So if you don't have those, those aren't going to happen. They're, because you're going to feel so nervous about expressing yourself or you're going to feel so unconfident that what these different sides that you have actually have any value. So it's super important that the, the culture, the corporate culture, and particularly the team leader um, encourages, cultivates the sense of expansiveness. Otherwise, the individuals won't, I don't think, do it. I mean, look at, look yeah. at how many organizations we're aware of where people bring a portion of themselves to the office or virtual office, right? That's, it's, it's a shame. Yeah, that's true. I think that they need to have the, the sense that if they come up with an idea that probably in their head, they're thinking this might be crazy. And right. that's probably, it's probably really good if it's, if they think that, but exactly have that in supportive environment where they feel like they right. could be nurtured. Absolutely. Right. I, I assume that Google is so well known for that um, in terms of, you know, some of that I've read that, you know, the organization helps and encourages individual Googlers to actually spend time on passion projects. Do you think that's yeah. one strategy of helping to bring that forward? Absolutely, because the, the, the belief there is you have something to give that others don't pursue it leverage it, take advantage of it. Um, and I think that, you know, without that sense of psychological safety that you can uh, do that, people wouldn't. Now, I'm not saying everyone leverages it. Never, not everyone takes advantage of it. But the fact that you know you can. You know, like I remember people would say, what's the difference between your advertising experience and Google? And I was like, you have a year? And I can explain to you. But I think the biggest difference, well, and this was so much, so much more felt um, beginning was that, you know, I felt like in my past careers, if I had an idea, I had to kill myself to try to sell it in. And once I sold it in, if I was lucky enough to sell it in, the response would be, this is great, but we don't have the money to support it. Right. I came to Google and it was like, we don't really know what you're talking about, but we know you're smart. We brought you in here for a reason. So here's some money, go try it. You know, I mean, it's just a different money or no money. The point yeah. is that, like, I mean, I still had to beg for money, too. But you there's an ingoing assumption that you probably have something to offer. So let's let's play. Go go for it. You know, yeah. we'll take a risk on you. 
So what do you, what would you say to individuals that maybe don't have that supportive network, but still want to explore? So I would say to people, because obviously I experienced that before, you know, this, this round of my career, find other outlets to pursue it. Right. So I was a thought leader before I really had the runway to do that. And um, I pursued it on my own. Right. I would write on my own. I started my own blog. I, you know, was invited to do speeches that were not necessarily offered to me through my my job. I would just kind of, you know, found them. the other thing I do is I just say yes to a lot of meetings with people that are not necessarily from my company or, you know, and, and by the way, it took me a while to realize the importance of that. I would say I was not a great networker for the first 15 years of my career, partly because I didn't grow up in a culture where that was, I didn't, wasn't taught that that was important. My parents didn't really do it. Um, I was uh, a young mother of three and was, um, you know, focused on that. And also I just wasn't, I didn't think it was like a real job. I didn't think it was like real to network. That was more like if you're a schmoozer and I'm head to the ground and I'm a strategist and, you know, and then I woke up one day and said, Oh shit, I better start networking. And that opened up. And I don't mean networking necessarily in the very highly strategic way. I mean, right. like, just going out and meeting people and being open to meeting people. And all of a sudden that opened up opportunities for me to have certain kinds of partnerships, jump into interesting endeavors. I mean, like I said, the uh, Chinese publication that I'm associated with, this public speaking that I do, I'm maybe even working on a show. Like all these things, because I have friends or interesting people in my life that I met along the way that struck up these interesting endeavors. And you're open to it. So I think that's a big, yeah. big thing. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I've always found too, like the interactions and meeting people uh, from different countries, that opens your mind up too to doing things differently and trying to see and Absolutely. also, you know, just getting people in the room. I, I always love also, this is just naturally as well, where I want to have people in the room that you typically wouldn't put in the room. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it's almost no awkward question. sometimes. No question. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, collaboration is a huge tenant of where I, you know, my culture, my corporate culture. Um, but also right. of the creative process. And, and in fact, sometimes you should bring people you may not even like into that yeah. process. And you probably don't like them because they have differing views, or you probably don't like them because they think about things differently. That's exactly why you should have them in the room. Yeah. You know, it may not be as pleasant as everyone agreeing with you, and it may not be as pleasant as having your buddy there, but it's important, you need that, that the, the disparity or not disparity, the diversity rather yeah. of opinions. Again, like I said before, you're going to make connections on uh, disconnected stimuli. Same as the truth right. is true with the opinions. So you want people with very different experiences to shed light on your thinking. And so I want to go back to, you know, something that you said in terms of living a meaningful life and successful life. So we focused a lot on like, obviously, if you do this, you are going to grow your career, you're going to be more successful. But in terms of having a purposeful, happier life, how does 
living in an expansive life help you to do that? I think in a number of ways. Um, obviously, everybody's source of happiness is different. But I, if you do care about your career, um, then it's always great to feel like you're progressing and you're succeeding. Yeah. That makes you happy. But I also think it probably more important than that is you're going to you're going to have things that you love to do and you probably love to do them because you're a curious person or because you have certain talents um, because you just find them fun and interesting. How much more happy would you be if you can pursue them? Right. And if you can find that other people get benefit from them, you know, I. I love my anthropology background. I love studying that. I love um, performing. You know, I was an actress in high school. But what I really love more than anything is not only that I can pursue all that, but then I can gift insights to other people who can take something and do something with it. That's so great. how great is that, right? Yeah. I'm tapping all my different passions. I, I'm, a lot, I, I'm, I'm able to explore them benefit my career benefits from them so therefore i feel like i'm be, i'm fulfilling my obligations as a as an employee and as a team leader and of course i can feed my kids as a result yeah. but it can also benefit humankind through my my own passions so to me i think that's what makes us all happy in the end that's amazing and you know you keep the way that you're talking about it too it, i really feel like just even being aware that you, you can make these connections, that you can right. do this, that your mind subconsciously is going to be making those connections for you. There, it's going to be helping you along. Yes. And yes. you just have to, like you said, say yes and be open to. So where do you get the courage then? And what do you suggest to people to, to maybe big baby steps and right. really right. taking it on? Well, I love that word courage because that's so true. As I said before, you have to have a sense of trust and belief. Right. Um, two things. One is I think you have to have this belief that things will will work out. That's hard. That's not there's no, you know, study. There's no there's no data to really tell you it's going to work out. You have to kind of believe in that. And that will that mentality will already put you in the right direction. And then I think second, you can start in little ways. Right. So, as I said, you can start on the side. If you really love cooking and you really love culture, okay, well, there's a natural fit there, right? So I'm going to maybe contribute to a blog uh, about my cultural understanding of, or my, my newfound understanding of different cultures through food. See what happens, see how people respond. I mean, the great thing about social media is that people are responsive and for the most part in a positive way. Right. Um, so there's there's small steps you can take or you can go and say, invite your girlfriend or boyfriend or cousin or sister, you know, to a cocktail and say, look, I'm really interested in this thing and this thing and this thing. Help me help me figure out if I can make a connection. How hard is that? Worst thing that happens is you have some fun and you go back and you just had an enjoyable, you know, social distance drink. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. The best thing that can happen is it sparks ideas and then you take those ideas further and then you start going a little bit further out of your comfort zone or out or farther out of your comfort zone or out of your inner circle and test the waters there. 
come. Maybe you get invited to do a panel and see how people respond. So little by little, um, you know, you get you get responses to this. And sometimes you're going to fail too. Like I was the first iteration of this speech um, I presented in a forum and in a way that just was not appropriate. Like it was just. It, and you're yeah. testing the waters, right? You're just I was testing the waters, yeah. And luckily I was working with my speaking manager and she was cool with it. Like, let's learn from it. Let's not give up, right? So as long as you also give yourself a little bit of leeway to, you know, trip. Right. I'm not saying fall, just yeah. trip a little bit and kind of learn from the trip. Um, so nothing has to be done overnight. And this is great, this conversation and these questions, because I'll probably adapt them in my speech now. Um, like, cause I do think that probably some people are still afraid to take that first step. And, um, you know, there probably are kind of interim stages you can take, but definitely there are little by little, or just, yeah. you know, go on and write to me on LinkedIn or, you know, on my, yeah. on Instagram and just, you know, give me a thought and I can respond yeah. to it. There are so many people who want to be helpful. Yeah. And, and if you solicit it, they'll, they will. So I have a question for you. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of talk um, about authenticity and, you know, yeah. certainly um, I feel like there's a component of that too, because you're being yourself. You're really trying to identify um, your whole self. What yeah. role does authenticity play in this approach? Um, you know, authenticity is one of those words that used to get thrown at us, even in my advertising days. It's kind of like yeah. cool. Like, be cool. It's so like innovation like, now. 80s were cool. <laughs> then like, you know, 80s and 90s were cool. Then like the 2000s were authentic. And you're like, what does that really mean? Yeah. I don't, what does that mean? You know, and... The only thing I can say is um, I don't disagree with the concept of it. Like, I think we should all be true to ourselves. I just think people don't know necessarily how to do that or, or yeah. how do I say, you know, they, 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 it comes with certain kind of, I think, baggage. Like, oh, so you've got to be like really like, you know, um, ridiculous or something I yeah. you know you know it, you know you can't be polished in any way well sure you can be polished right I mean clearly I'm not so polished with this necklace today um, <laughs> but like you know but I wouldn't recommend that on anybody like I'm, next time I'm not wearing the necklace um, so I, I think you know if, if being polished means I can be that much more of a um, you know a, a better speaker and better communicator yeah. then I'm gonna be I, I just think it's just about really trusting in ourselves as much as we can and recognizing that we have something to give and we have something to learn too and not yeah. to be worried about that right not to be worried that we have nothing to offer and not to be worried that even if we do offer something and it isn't perfect that you can't evolve and grow from that that it's okay um so i just think it's i would say the the best way i would i would encourage someone to be authentic is to trust in yourself and you know, recognize you're really amazing. I mean, every individual, and this is where my spiritual side comes in, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm pulling from all my different sides, right? Right. Like every human being, I don't, you know, it depends on, you don't have to necessarily believe in a deity, but like every human being has a bit of God or yeah. light in them. Right. So you do too. And that light needs to be experienced and should be experienced by others.
Oh, I think that's beautiful. And I, from my perspective, I feel like the concept of expansiveness is actually um, where people need to be focusing versus the authenticity. This is, it's more strategic, it's more purposeful, and it's, uh, it takes it to that higher level where you actually feel like you can implement and make changes and, and grow. Yeah, it's a, it's a behavior versus a trait, right? right. If, if someone said to you, um, be, uh, be funny, well, yeah. I, I mean, well, what if I'm not funny? What does that mean? Do I have to like have dark humor, yeah. stupid yeah. humor, slapstick humor? Uh, no, it's not about a trait. It's about yeah. a set of rules, tricks, tools, however you want to define it. Exactly. Which everybody, you know, it's like saying go run instead of walk. Okay, I, I know what that means. My body yeah. can do it. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. I always think the same thing about the word diversity and inclusion. Go be more diverse. Right. Okay. Me as an, yeah. like, how do you, it's more, you yeah, need the how. Action yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so, you know, some final question is, you know, you have so many passions. What, in your, looking into your future, is there anything that is still, like, on your list that you want to explore that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a little scary because I probably have to, reel myself back sometimes because I'm like, how come I'm not doing that? I really like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really feel like, and you know, I don't want to extend my time too much. I could go on forever about this, but I'll try to do it. I'll make, I'll make this as short and crisp as possible. Um, I really feel like there still be a new vision of how women are projected mm -hmm. on the big screen. Right. I think, yeah. and especially women of my age, I think that um, there tends to be this, uh, as, a, as a woman, you're either perceived as the, I need to get the, the man or the woman. You know, it's all about yeah. romance, romance, romance. I need to get the man. The man left me. How do I get the man? How do I get more beautiful so I can get the man? Right. Or, or it becomes more like you have to be this kind of super alpha male. Yeah, I'm a businesswoman and I'm going to compete with a guy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think we have a we have a, an opportunity as women to be feminine, smart, curious, creative. I want that perception to be out there more. And so my my goal and this is not the only reason why I want to do this, but I, I, I think there's an opportunity. And so my goal now and I'm working with a group of women, actually, is to um, develop a, a show um, mm -hmm. where we are pursuing people's stories and really diving into their culture. And, you know, I can't give too much away. Right. But um, but it's not about again, it's not about getting a man, leave, losing a man, trying to get another man trying to live without the man. Yeah. Um, and it's not about being the alpha male. It's about curiosity, creativity, um, and bringing forth the, the amazing human stories of other people. Wow. So that's, that's not a journalist, but just kind of like, you know, there's so much amazingness out there. There's so much insight out there to be delivered to people and they see their world and themselves in a new light. So that's kind of what I'm 
try to pursue. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, um, I wish you all the luck on that for sure. And Thank you. I, immediately, I'm actually, after this podcast, I'm going to be sending you a couple of emails. There's, uh, there's a woman that I'm interviewing, and she published a book on, she did a TED Talk on basically what you're saying in terms of the perception of how women are. She's an actress, Naomi. And so I'll, I immediately thought of that. You would definitely connect to that right right away. So you see, I just said yes to your podcast because of that, you made connections, right? We collaborated. We talked together about our crazy ideas and then you made connections that who knows where they will go. Right. So we played the embracing expansive notion in you know in real time right here real time yeah yeah Yeah. so thank you so much for inviting me oh well thanks so much for for being part of it thank you for listening to the women leadership nation breaking barriers podcast we hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did don't forget to subscribe and also visit us at www.womanleadershipnation.com Our podcast began as a passion project, and we're committed to sharing the stories of women across all industries and sectors so that we can learn from one another and grow together.